0: Christmas is is so full of memories, I'm sure, for everybody. As as a child or as a as an adult, I look back on my childhood and I, I think about all the Christmases that uh, that I spent with my mom and dad. My mom and dad are here in service today with us. And I, I remember how we always used to do things. We would, uh, on Christmas Eve, it was our tradition to go out and to look at Christmas lights. And so what would happen is... Uh, I had two little sisters and myself, and, and my mom and dad would, would say, okay, it's time to go look at Christmas lights, and we'd always go get hot chocolate on the way before we went to look at lights. So we'd all pile in the car, and then dad would turn the car on, and mom, every year, I couldn't understand this, every year my mom would say, oh no, I've forgotten something. I need to go back in the house and get it. And so she would go in the, in the house and we'd all be sitting there and, and excited about looking at Christmas lights. And she wouldn't, it'd be a long time. And dad said, well, where do you think mom is? What, what's she doing? Why is she taking so long? I'm going to go back in and, and get her. So she, they would, he, he would go back in and get her. And, and we we're like, mom, you're holding us up. Years and years this happened. Because when we came back from looking at Christmas lights, Santa had come. Every year, I couldn't figure it out. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's a little sad, but it's crazy. How long? Every time. Like clockwork, early at my house is wonderful. But it conditioned me. It conditioned me to always look forward to going to Christmas lights because I knew that Santa was about to come and I was about to receive my gift. And And now as parents... Uh, I look and I, I realize, whether you're parents or not, having little children in your life in some way, you actually have more fun than whenever you were a kid. Right, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, your mom, dad, grandparent, and you get to have a blast giving kids a wonderful Christmas present. And with four of them, I, I have a I have a, a joy of getting Christmas presents. And if I'm going to be honest with you, uh, my wife helps me a lot on that. <laughs> but the beauty of of it all is simply this: no matter how you choose to celebrate Christmas with your family. Uh, What my family does is we bring everybody on Christmas Eve into the living room and we sit around and we read the Christmas story because I want my children, I want my children to understand why we give gifts, why why we celebrate. We celebrate because of what Jesus meant to us, what Jesus did, the gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ. And we're not going to go through a Christmas season without celebrating, not the gifts and not the, uh, not the songs, not the music, not the, uh, not the movies, not, not anything else. We're going to celebrate Jesus. Amen. I want to challenge you as parents and as grandparents. Don't let this Christmas season go by without inviting everybody over to your house and all getting into the living room or the kitchen and talking about Jesus and the reason for the season. Amen. Would you accept that challenge? Good, good. You know, I think, I think a lot about the reactions that maybe we all have towards Christmas. As you get a gift, remember that gift that you got that was just the gift that you're really looking for that you wanted so badly? You, you remember how you felt? You saw it under the tree, and it was all wrapped, and you thought to yourself, oh, that's that's about the right size. And then you'd, you'd go over there and pick it up, even though you were not supposed to touch them, right? And you'd you'd shake it a little bit, and you say, okay, that's about the right shake. And then, you, I don't know, if you were like me, you might smell it and I said I think I smell it <laughs> you know and and then you got a chance to open it up and and the reaction maybe that you had can you remember it some of us jumped up and down some of us uh, I would would just put your head down and start crying immediately I don't that was not me I was I was the crazy one running through the house saying thank you thank you thank you. but ultimately no matter how you responded to receiving that that gift it was ultimately about the gratitude that you had for receiving the gift that you wanted and the gratitude that you had for the person that gave it to you and, and as we go into this christmas season we we think about the best gift that was ever given to us that jesus christ wrapped himself in flesh and was born of a virgin he lived a perfect sinless life for you and for me. And he died our death so that he could be resurrected and offer us eternal life. As we celebrate this gift, we can we can be filled with joy and gratitude back. But I think about more than just that. I, I, I think about All the prophecies, all the signs, all the promises, all the hints and the clues that God gave us leading up to the birth of Jesus. And if you're ever wondering how many prophecies that was, it wasn't just a little clue or a little hint. There were 333 unique prophecies leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so today I'm going to go through each one of them. We're gonna provide lunch. Don't no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. No. But I, I do wanna take four of those unique prophecies and talk about how Jesus fulfilled them in his birth. But before I get there, I wanna I wanna tell you that how incredible it is that Jesus Christ fulfilled all 333 prophecies. And if you don't think it's incredible, let me let me do a little bit of math. I'm not the world's greatest in math. Somebody else did this math for me. I'm going to be presenting to you. But those of you that really enjoy math, you're just going to geek out because this is crazy. I don't even understand what I'm saying. I'm repeating it. Okay, you ready? If you took eight of the prophecies, only eight, not 333, but only eight of the prophecies and fulfilled those, it would be the statistical probability of 10 to the 17th power to be fulfilled. That's, that's 17 zeros. I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how many commas that takes. It's crazy. All right? But it's, it's amazing. It's a miraculous. As a matter of fact, it's just impossible to do unless God was behind it. And for those of you that are more visual, not mathematical, somebody else gave this illustration. It would be like taking the state of Texas and taking silver dollars and placing them and covering the entire area of Texas, all the land area of Texas, covering them, and then doing that two feet deep of silver dollars, and then taking one silver dollar and marking it with an X and throwing it in the middle and then taking bulldozers and mixing them all up all throughout the state where you couldn't see any land, just silver dollars, And then you took a guy in Dallas and you blindfolded him and you spun around 10 times just for fun and told him to go walking however long he wanted to. And then whenever he wanted to stop, just reaching down once and putting his hand down into that two feet deep silver dollars and pulling it out and holding up and getting the ax on the first try would be more probable than somebody fulfilling just eight of these of these prophecies and so when we think about Jesus fulfilling the prophecies it's not a mere coincidence it's not mere chance it's ordained and orchestrated by God throughout eternity before and throughout the centuries leading up to and today we get a chance to look at just just four of the prophecies that were fulfilled and see the truth is Is that you might be saying, "Why why does that? Why do I care?" I mean, that's pretty impressive, but why, why should I care about fulfilled prophecies? And I want to tell you this: is that it's not just by chance or coincidence, and it's not just an interesting fact. You see, if if even one of these prophecies weren't fulfilled, then you and I should just walk away from the Christian faith because it it didn't work; it wasn't true. Well, you see, if, if they were fulfilled, then you and I, you know, it deserves our attention. It deserves, it deserves us to look into, see Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4 through 7, it tells us, but when the right time came, but when the right time, if you read it in the Hebrews, it was everything had to be ordained up until that point, when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. You see, that's what we believe. We believe that the apostles and the prophets and the religious leaders and the teachers, they all saw and heard about the prophecies of a coming Messiah. And whenever that Messiah came, and it was Jesus, and he was there just with the apostles, the apostles had a hard time believing it. They had a hard time seeing those prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. And they were talking to him. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, the disciples, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them, watch, he took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning Who? Himself. himself. That means that you can go through the Old Testament and see all the prophecies stacked up one on top of the other and prove that Jesus was actually the Messiah. And Jesus did it for those those disciples. And the disciples came to believe and, and then... And then those that follow the disciples believe, and then then you and I follow those disciples. We are in the line of people that believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And it was God that was the one that was fulfilling it through Scripture. You see, Paul came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And... And he told us what actually was occurring in Acts chapter 3, verse 18. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer all these things. Paul understood that Jesus was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, one of Paul's missions was to go into the synagogues and teach the Old Testament in order to prove that Jesus was in fact the Messiah so that he could he could convince the very ones that didn't believe when Jesus was alive in acts chapter 17 starting in verse 2 as was paul's custom he went to the synagogue service and for three sabbaths in a row he used the scriptures to reason with people he explained that the prophecies and impro- he explained the prophecies and proved that the messiah must suffer and rise from the dead he said this jesus i'm telling you about is the messiah Matthew and Luke and Paul are all echoing what the prophets and the psalmists and Moses wrote about that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, if Jesus is lying about being the Messiah or the prophecies didn't come true, then you and I should walk away from the Christian faith. But if the story is true, you should, you and I should respond to Jesus's claim not only with thanksgiving and appreciation for what He's done, but recognize and realize that all that He said He would do is true as well. He fulfilled all three hundred and thirty-three prophecies, and so here's prophecy number one. Not. The first one, just the one we're going to talk about today, it's actually found, the fulfillment is actually found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse of the New Testament. If you're following along with our message today, I want to invite you to go to the Bible app. You can follow all of our notes. I promise you, this is a ton of scripture. And so it's really helpful to do the Bible app. But if you're not doing it, get ready to write, sharpen those pencils, grease up those uh, highlighters because we're going to go fast. Okay. All right. Matthew chapter one, starting in verse one. This is a record of the ancestor of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Stop right there. Watch this. This seems, this is just the beginning of a genealogy in Matthew chapter one, verse one. But, but why is this so important to us? It's very interesting, maybe not to you, but if you lean into it and really understand what it's about, then it really will be mind-blowing. You see, it was very important that Jesus was not just a pure Jew coming from Abraham, but that he was also a descendant of David. That was what was required to be king of the Jews. And that's why throughout his life he was referred to as king of the Jews. Because he had to be from the line of David. And in order to understand that prophecy, we have to jump back into scripture. All the way back to 2 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 16. Your house and your kingdom, this is a promise to David, will continue before me for all time. And your throne will be secure for how long? Forever. Forever. See, this is is impossible. There's no way a person's throne can be secured forever unless the person speaking it and the person that is going to be in charge, the, the, the king, the leader, would be eternal. And there, right in black and white, we we see the promise, that the prophecy that Jesus was the king of the Jews because he was making the promise and he was the eternal one. And I want to let that take a second to sink in because in order for Jesus to be born out of the lineage of David, we have to have eight connecting prophecies to be fulfilled in order for it just to get there. And I kind of, okay, there's more prophecies than just the four that we're going to go over, but we're going to go over them really quickly. Watch this. He had to be born of the seed of a woman. Now, everybody was born of the seed of a woman, but only Jesus was born of only the seed of a woman. You see, Jesus was born of a virgin. There was no other man that was connected to the birth of Jesus. It was God the Father that empowered that. Born of a seed of a woman. Then the lineage of Shem. Shem was one of three sons of Noah during the flood. There was only three sons that survived the flood, three guys that survived the flood save for Noah, and he wasn't having any more kids. And so right there, one two thirds of the population was eliminated. He had to be from the seed of Shem. And then he had to be a descendant of Abraham. See, Abraham was from Shem. And so that narrowed it down even more. But then Abraham had eight sons. And God eliminated uh, seven-eighths of those sons. And then he had to be from the line of Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, and God eliminated 50% of that. And then he had to be from the line of Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and God eliminated 11 twelfths of that line. But it's not done yet, because then he had to be, all the sons of Jacob were were, uh, the tribes of Judah, and God eliminated 11 twelfths of all the tribes of Judah. And he said that it had to be from, from a specific line, uh, tribe of Judah. And then God eliminated 11 twelfths of that. He, it, had to be from, it had to be from a certain tribe. And watch this. Out of that tribe, he eliminated all the families except for one family had to be from the family of Jesse. And watch, Jesse had eight sons and God eliminated seven eighths of those. And he had to be from the line of David. Can I tell you that Jesus qualified not just as a Jew, but made every one of those qualifications and was a was a Jew out of the Davidic line he was in line to be ruler he he qualified to be king of the Jews and he is king of kings and he is lord of lords today he fulfilled that prophecy he he fulfilled the prophecy born of a virgin this may be one of the most famous prophecies during this time of year that that Mary was empowered by the Holy Spirit, moved on by God in order, to, in order to have Jesus as a virgin. Right there in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, this prophecy is made 700 years before Jesus arrived. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. It's always through the participation of men and women together that a child is formed. Always before and always after. But Jesus was born of a virgin. He was made holy. Mary, in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 34, was asked... uh, Mary had a hard time understanding this too. I mean, it's never happened before. It's not that she just knew how it was going to occur. She had trouble believing this. But there... In Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born. He will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Praise God. This impossible miracle happened so that we would understand that there was something different about Jesus from the very beginning. He wasn't just a charismatic leader. He wasn't just a a guy born at the right time in the right place. He didn't just come from a good family. He didn't just happen to fall into the circumstances. It was ordained and orchestrated by God. All through from the very beginning, he fulfilled the prophecy that was given simply by arriving. And that means because he was born of God, because his father literally was our heavenly father, it allows us to have to have God the Father as our Father. And we can be adopted. As heirs and co-heirs with Jesus into His family line, praise God. Prophecy number three. It's also not just about how He was born, but where He was born. And He was born in old little town of Bethlehem. Now, growing up, I I, I kind of thought that that was the full name the like like we, we the city of yukon is oh little town of Bethlehem. That was a very long name. I couldn't understand it. But but I look back and I, I realize something that this is actually one of my favorite prophecies to talk about because how how amazing this this story actually is. Ma- Micah chapter five starting in verse two but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Wow. There's Bethlehem and it's just a small town. But that line that says whose origins are from the distant past is interesting to me because... If you look at that passage of Scripture, you'll realize that the ruler that has yet to come has origins from the distant past. How can someone yet to be born have ancient origins except for it be God that was born, that, that was born of flesh, but that had all, always existed? That's our God. That's Jesus that wrapped him that stepped out off the portals of heaven and he wrapped himself in flesh and was born had ancient from the ancient past to that point in old little town of Bethlehem in Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 1 we realize that this was a very improbable place for Jesus to be born. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken through throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All, re, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And watch this. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. What a beautiful story when you read it. But when you live it, it was probably a nightmare <laughs> because the truth is is that Nazareth is, is sixty four miles north of Jerusalem in a straight line and and Bethlehem is is six miles south of Jerusalem, located in in modern day uh, West Bank area if If you ride there, it's somewhere in the vicinity based on ancient roads between 74 and 90 miles on the back of a donkey over dirt roads. And you're really, really pregnant. And I mean, it's just hard. And if you want to be honest with you, I feel bad for Joseph. I mean, uh, Mary, after having four kids of my own. It took a week for them to travel at least. And then while she was there, she gave birth to to Jesus. If you think about it, Joseph had no business in Bethlehem. He had no business taking a pregnant wife all the way, 90 miles on the back of a donkey in order to give birth. That was not a smart plan. Like a month before we had any of our kids, I had a go bag packed, and the hospital was 10 minutes away. What's going on? But God orchestrated this event so that He would fulfill a prophecy made so many years before. Now we can tell that this was incredibly important to Matthew and Luke and the gospel writers because they made sure that we understood that this was a fulfillment of that prophecy. Matthew records in in Matthew chapter 2, verse 5, In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." So Matthew sees that this place is very important. whole little town of Bethlehem was a fulfillment of the prophecy. But it's not just about where Jesus was born, but it's also about where Jesus was taken after He was born. He was taken to Egypt. Jesus fled to Egypt. You see, Herod, uh, the king of that area, uh, heard about Jesus' birth from the Magi that came. Magi from the east, you know, the three wise men. We don't know exactly how many wise men there were, but they they came and they reported that because they saw what we call the Bethlehem Star. We're not exactly sure what the Bethlehem Star was. There's many different ideas about that, but it was was a clear sign in, in the sky. What's interesting is that the Israelites, they didn't practice astrology, but everywhere else in the world clearly practiced astrology. And so they were watching the night sky, and whatever happened was a clear sign that a king was born. And so, because they believed it so fervently, so much, they traveled from wherever they were from all the way to see Jesus and they told Herod about it. And Herod, because he was so insecure as a leader, he was afraid that Jesus was true because of the sign that everybody could see in the, in the sky. And, and he believed that Jesus was going to grow and take the throne from him. And so Herod made a decree that he was going to have all the little boys in Bethlehem and in the surrounding area up to the age of two to be killed. And that was prophesied that he would not only flee, but that all those little boys would be killed. And because of this, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph at night in a dream after the the Magi had left and told them to flee. And where did they flee? They went to they went to Egypt. Matthew chapter two verse thirteen. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, "Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him." That night, Joseph left for Egypt and the child and Mary and his mother. So you see. Mary and Joseph did just as the angel had commanded, and they narrowly escaped the murderous threat of Herod. And it was a fulfillment of prophecy. We, we see this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Matthew chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, just a little city outside of Jerusalem, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, which is a synonym for, for Israel, weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. All these prophecies, all these things that we discuss today, were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. It really truly is a miracle because the prophecies were made, some of them thousands of years before Christ came. Many of them hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. And they're all fulfilled. And what's interesting about it is that Jesus continued to fulfill prophecies throughout his life. These prophecies had witnesses and were recorded by the prophets, recorded by psalmists, recorded by Moses. The people that saw the prophecies fulfilled confirmed that they were true and they were real and Jesus confirmed and did it. So there's only one thing that remains today. How do we respond How do we respond to Jesus fulfilling all these prophecies? You see, if Jesus was correct and all the Old Testament was predicting him and what he would do. If he was correct in all that about all the prophets and about Moses and about the Psalmists that they were all talking about him when he arrived into this world. And that He was born of a virgin and and lived a sinless life. And he died a death that was meant for you and me. And he was resurrected. And by the way, he died a death on the cross, which was another prophecy, 800 years before the cross was invented by the Romans. And he was resurrected on the third day so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. And we can look back and so clearly see the evidence throughout all of history. It's right there, clear as day. And it's up to you to decide if if history is accurate or you think you know better. But you see, my friend, there's something more. You see, I made mention that all the prophecies haven't been fulfilled yet. There are still prophecies that remain to be fulfilled because Christmas is not just a time that we look back in appreciation and thanksgiving for what Christ has done, but it's a time that we, in respect to what he's done, look into our hearts and see if we're ready for what he said he will do. You see, because the prophecies continue that that he came once as a meek and lowly baby in humility, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger and grew up a carpenter's son. Just like you and I experiencing all the hardships that we do. But my friend, I want to tell you something that is so important and it is the, it is the most important thing that anybody could ever tell you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords will come again. And this time, he's not coming in meekness. He's not coming in humility. He will come on the clouds. He's returning like a thief in the night. And he comes in all of his authority, and all of his glory. Whether you're ready or not. Would you stand with me all over this place? You see the truth of the matter is that God gave us the very best gift that we'll ever get. You and I have the opportunity to come boldly to a loving and forgiving God and humble ourselves and repent of our sins and ask him to forgive us and then we can be made right with him. How incredible is that? But but watch this, that's a gift that he gave to us. It's our choice whether we receive that gift. My friend, the very best gift that you can give yourself and your family this Christmas season is responding to the gift that God has given to us. And to be sure that you're sure that you're sure that when Jesus comes back, any moment that you are ready, that you don't just look back and say, thank you for coming, but you look forward and say, thank you that you're going to come again. My friend, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Because the prophecies aren't done yet. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, I pray God right now that you would move on the hearts and lives in this room. Lord, we've looked at your word today. So many scriptures, so many prophecies and we only in detail discussed four. Yet all of history proclaims that you're true. Everything in your word tells us, Lord, that you really did come and do what you said you would do. So I pray God that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit on the hearts and lives in here today, Lord, and convince each and every one that if you did what you said you would do, Lord, that you're going to do what you said you would do. Lord, help us to be right with you today. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I'm looking around right now and I wanna ask you a simple question. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Because they weren't ready for Jesus to come the first time. It it surprised every one of them. Yet they had thousands of years of prophecy. Today we stand with the convenience and the opportunity of looking back in history and knowing that he will come again. Are you ready for his return? If you need to make yourself right with the Savior this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer over you right now. If you're here today and you need to be right with the Savior this morning, I want to pray a prayer with you now. Thank you. I see you. I'm looking all around. If you need to be right with the Savior this morning, holding for just one more moment. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would my prayer partners make themselves available this morning? Hallelujah. Go ahead and step down into the altar. In just a moment, I want to invite you to come if you have any any needs in your life. If there's sickness in your body, if there's trouble in your relationships, trouble on the job, whatever is going on in your life, I want to tell you this, that all the prophecies that talked about Jesus coming for nothing they mean something especially now here today in your life prophecies for your healing for your deliverance for addictions prophecies for your relationships that the Lord came so that we could have life, but not just a regular life, a more abundant life. If you need the Lord to do something in your life today, our prayer partners have made themselves available. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to continue to worship. And I want you to find a place and pray with one of our prayer partners. In just a few moments, I'll come back and we'll dismiss the service. Heavenly Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our hearts and our lives this morning, for for those that raise their hand in response, Lord, that they need to be right with you. I pray that you would come, Lord, in such a compassionate way, Lord, draw their heart back to you in the miracle of miracles, Lord, that you could make and redeem the heart of a person. Lord Jesus, I pray for each and every one of those that would respond today, Lord, with needs in their hearts and their lives, Lord. Lord, those that need a healing in their body, those that need a healing in their life, those that need, Lord, a touch on the, uh, in their job, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would come in comfort and give wisdom and give healing and understanding. We ask these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen and amen.